Tyler already said, good morning. Good to be here. Good to see everyone out this morning. Good to have all of our visitors with us. Make, a, make yourselves right at home and worship right along with us. So good, to, good to have you with us. You're welcome anytime. Let me find my place here. And as, as Bev said, I want to thank everybody that came out yesterday to help with the, the cleaning that we did. Uh, the windows look good. The, the light bulbs are all replaced, guys, right? Yep. Uh, so every, it, was, it was a really good, good time. And who didn't come missed out on great donuts. So Tony ate nine of them. But it's actually really good to have a tall person when you're cleaning. Because Tony was getting all the high spots that none of us could reach. <laughs> so it was, it was good. It was, it was good. Good, good uh, to be here and get some of that cleaned up. Um, just a couple of other announcements, um, and I don't know if anyone's here. Uh, Michelle texted me this morning. I'm not sure what's going on with them with their dad, but I think she's going to cancel the junior reach out event that was scheduled for next Saturday. So I don't know if we can get that word out. Uh, we can send a one call or whatnot, but just wanted to make that announcement real quick. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The other thing, we had our church elections last week, and we actually tabled a few positions uh, for the beginning of the year. So be in prayer with that. Um, we start talking to some people. I think it was reach out, junior reach out, uh, missions director, uh, women's group, men's group, BBS coordinator, I believe. Uh, so be in prayer with those, um, and we'll, we'll we'll get to those at the beginning of the year. We just wanted to get the main ones, you know, taken care of while we. Still have a chance. Um, years flying by. Did everybody uh, love waking up to 40 degree weather this morning? Yeah. Woo, it was chilly. All right. Um, I think that's about it from announcements. Oh, one other thing. Um, so we, we had originally scheduled a baptism service on November the 7th. We'll still have a worship service that night, but we may move the baptism to December the 12th because the folks who are actually getting baptized, that actually worked better for them. Um, so more to come on that. If, if, if you're here and we haven't scheduled anything, get with me after church this morning. Um, I think that's about it. Anyone with a special song this morning? Can everybody hear me okay? Yeah. Bob, thumbs up? Perfect. <laughs> Trying to get the audio just right. Seems like it's been a little up and down since we moved back over here. So good to hear that. Um, so any special song, testimony, anything on anyone's heart this morning? Before we go on with the service. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn over to the second chapter of James. Give everybody a minute here. Second chapter of James. New Testament between Hebrews and 1 Peter. So last week we started looking at faith. Um, Faith is a big word. I think the definition we we had last week was the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we used the story of Noah and the ark to show Noah's faith and his obedience and, and how in every situation, you know, like Noah probably, I'm pretty sure, Noah had never seen rain. And he probably didn't really know exactly what an ark was. But through his faith, he obeyed God and did what he was supposed to do and build an ark. And like we said last week, no doubt he was being just tormented. What are you doing, Noah? You know, are you crazy? 
I mean, he was out there preaching day in, day in, day out. Um, but his, his faith and his trust in God led to obedience. Like we said last week, there was no questions. There was no excuses like we like to give. Um, so this morning we want to take it kind of a step further here and look at how saving faith should be matched with action. That's, that's where we want to go a little bit this morning. So again, James chapter 2, we'll read a few verses here, um, starting at the 14th verse. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye, Give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham... I'll stop there for now. We could go on, but I'll stop there for right now. We'll get get back to that 21st verse in a little bit. So here we have James, which was the half-brother of Jesus. And I don't know if everyone knows this, but James didn't actually believe in Christ until the end of his earthly ministry. It was like during the resurrection when he really started believing. Well, he ended up being like a leader or a pastor in Jerusalem. So it was all the Jewish Christians that had been converted from you know, the law and all that good stuff. Um, but he, this, this book was actually written to them to encourage them. Because during that time, they were enduring a bunch of persecution and just all kinds of crazy stuff. So this was just to, to help them you know, in the midst of their suffering and poverty. Most of the scholars think this book was written between about 40 and 60 A.D. There were some back and forth. One of the things that really caught my eye was it was one of the earliest New Testament books that was written from the way it sounds. I thought that was pretty interesting. And then I also thought it was pretty interesting, the, the martyr, how James was martyred. I shared a little bit in Sunday school this morning. Anybody ever heard of Josephus, a Jewish historian? According to him... James was martyred. Like they, they had talked him into giving some speech. Um, so they, they took him up to the temple, the pinnacle of the temple. And when he started talking, they pushed him off. So then I don't know how high that was. Any scholars in here know how high that was? Andy, how high was it? The temple was 40 feet tall. So 40 feet. So he didn't die from the fall. So then when he falls, he starts praying for them. You know, God forgive them if they don't know what they do. So they start stoning him, and then somebody hits him in the head and kills him. Just thought some of that was interesting. And like I said, a lot of this book points to practical Christian living. But keep in mind, these were Jewish people. So we'll get to a little bit of that in a little bit with some contradiction between Paul and James here. So keep that in mind as we go through this. So if you go back to the, the first chapter, and we're not going to go through all of that. Um, James is real big on faith. 
Most of this book is, is built on faith. The first chapter talks about how, you know, faith through trials. I know everyone's probably heard, you know, the, the scripture there. You know, call it all joy when you have trials of various kinds. Or the, the testing of your faith produces patience or steadfastness. Those are all familiar. Um, that's a lot of that first chapter is, is faith through you know, patience and trials and, and all of that. Then it gets into the be doers of the word, not hearers only. So then we get into the second chapter. And Ryan actually did a really good job, even though he couldn't, he could barely talk this morning uh, in Sunday school. Tyler wouldn't fill in for him about talking about how to love people that just, you know, aren't easily loved. Um, it's tough. But uh, this, this chapter is going into like, um, you know, favoritism and, and things like that. Partiality. You know, we, we, we have the person that walks in the back door with a suit and tie. Oh, come up to the front. Surely you're a great Christian. We have the other person that walks in that looks poor. You can sit in the back. Kind of what they're talking about here. Um, and then once we get into the, the middle there, that's where we, we, we read. And it talks about faith without works. Faith without works. <clears throat> and the question James is asking is can that kind of faith save? Can that kind of faith save? Or is just faith alone, without the works part, useless, dead, what have you? And he uses a great example here in the 15th and 16th verse. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? We Christians like to do that sometimes. We see somebody in need, and we don't help them. We don't help them. And that's what he's saying here. How good is your faith if you proclaim to be a Christian and you see a brother or sister in need and you're not willing to help them? God bless you. God bless you. Peace be with you. That's sad. That's sad. And we've all done it. We've all done it. And that really goes back to a lot of the mission stuff. Whoever this mission leader is going to be, we've got a lot to accomplish. Whoever's going to be on this mission group, we've got a lot to accomplish. We need to be in prayer about that. Because there's a lot of people out there that we as Christians, we as this church, loving God, living Jesus, learning to serve, we need to start reaching out to them and helping them. We need to start doing that. Isn't that part of what we're supposed to do? That's what we're supposed to do. How else are we ever going to show Jesus out there? If we're not willing to get outside this church... And go show love. Mm-hmm. How, are we, how are we ever going to get Jesus out? <clears throat> go in peace. Be warmed and filled. But not willing to help at all. It's sad. And you know, like Ryan said this morning, no love, no compassion. There's a lot of people like that today. Even, even people that proclaim Jesus. There's a lot of people that lack compassion. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And in fact, James here is calling that out. If you're living this way, 
He's saying your faith is dead. If your your salvation is not pointing to a love of Jesus and doing something with it, something's wrong. You know, just thinking about all that stuff, and it, it just makes you really think. Are we actually doing what God is telling us to do? Well, I came to church Sunday. Check. Then we go live the rest of the week how we want to. That's not how it's supposed to be. Amen. That's not how it's supposed to be at all. We got it backwards, folks. That's not how it's supposed to be. That's not what this word says. And I kind of feel like I'm leaning over here because there's more people. You guys need to like even it out here. Usually they're on this side. They like to mess with me. But James argues there, what good is that faith? Faith by itself without works is dead. Now, here comes the contradiction. And this is, you can find all kinds of craziness on this. So you have Paul, Apostle Paul, who teaches what? You guys can talk. What does Paul teach according to salvation? It's in Christ alone. Okay? Now, you have James here that's saying it's in Christ with works. Get that? But there's really no contradiction. And this is where con- I always love when Tony went into context. Because that really makes you think. Context. Think about the people who Paul was teaching and preaching to. They were Gentiles. Think about all the stuff we've been the last six months talking through all kinds of stuff. Think about who he was talking to and preaching to. They were Gentiles that didn't know the law. That came to Jesus. And then they had all these false teachers that were trying to do everything but Jesus. You need Jesus and you need to be circumcised. You need Jesus and you need to follow the Jewish customs. You need Jesus or Jesus wasn't good enough. Paul was teaching salvation is in Christ alone and no other way. That's what he was teaching. Now, take it to James. Like I mentioned earlier, James is talking to Jews. Right? Jews, on the other hand, initially, it was works that got them favor with God, or they thought so anyway. So when they were converted to Christianity... They had this thought that, well, works doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't matter. It's not, you know, works doesn't have anything to do with my salvation. And James is telling them that is not right. He's telling them that because of your salvation, you should be doing works. Mm -hmm. That's what he's telling them. There's really no contradiction here because James would tell you salvation is in Christ alone. That's what he would tell you. But he's saying, if you receive salvation, that new person should be different. And if you're not different, something's wrong. Something's wrong. If if you came up here and prayed or prayed at your seat or wherever it happened, when you received salvation, if you're still the same person and you're calling the shots, you didn't get what I got. Because I am not in control at all. He is. Now, do we all mess up? Absolutely. We, every single one of us are a mess. We all mess up. But you know what I'm talking about. If you are still calling the shots, if you are still in control, and, and that's between you and God. Only you know that. I don't know who got saved and who didn't. 
But what he's saying is that faith through works can show, can prove what Jesus did on the inside. That's what he's saying. There's no contradiction there. There's no contradiction. In fact, when Paul's talking in Ephesians, let me flip over there real quick. Even Mark, it's hard to get to. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So even Paul there is saying that. He's even saying that. But people get to the point where, well, Paul's saying you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. To be saved, all you have to do is accept Jesus into your heart. That's all you have to do. But James is saying that's not the end of it. And I think that's, you know, we as the church have a problem with that sometimes. Mm-hmm. We work so hard to get people saved. After they're saved, oh, you're good. You're saved. There's more, folks. There's more. Amen. There's more we're supposed to do than to get people saved. It's called discipleship. Sanctification. We preached about six months on that. That's what it's about. And it's about taking Jesus that came inside here, outside these doors. That's what it's about. We don't just come in here and huddle and love each other in here. We do love each other, but we need to take that love out there. Like Ryan said this morning. While he was coughing and hacking and everything. <laughs> we got to take that love outside these doors. This is a preparing place. we got to love folks. And you want to get a picture of that. Come down to Second Harvest and pack some boxes for some people that are less fortunate. Go to the soup kitchen and serve some people that are homeless. That when you leave, you see them sit on steps. That'll change your perspective on things a little bit. It will. We are so spoiled. We are so spoiled. It's it's amazing. We take such for granted. (coughs) Again, no contradiction at all. Got a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I would not give anything for your profession of faith Unless it can be seen. Lamps do not talk, but they shine. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Jesus through us, we're supposed to shine in a dark world. And if you're not shining out there, again, if you're living for you, there's something wrong. And you really need to fix that with God. There's something wrong. If you don't have compassion, if you don't have love for your brother, that's what got me about this section. It's talking about brother and sister. That's in the church. If you see someone in the church that you're not willing to help, how are you ever going to help anyone out there? Am I wrong? Like, it's, it's crazy. But we want to say, oh, God bless you. I can't pay my rent. I can't buy food for my kids. Lord, I help somebody in here with help them. I help. I pray that somebody would help them. Because if I ever got into that situation, and it, it comes down to pride. Tell me if I'm wrong. It comes down to pride. I would be going to people like, I need help. 
We don't want to say that. We don't, we don't want to say we need help. But there's people that come and say they need help. And we don't help them. Something wrong, folks. Something wrong. Goodness gracious. Messy turned the heat up and it's roasting up here. Man. But you know the other thing, getting in the like the 18th through the 20th verse there. The other thing is we can't make the rules for our salvation. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work saying, well, I'm going to be saved and I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. He makes the rules. He makes the rules. It's not our own. We can't craft our own salvation. There it says, you say you believe. Even the demons believe. And I think that can put us to shame. They know God exists. They know it. And they tremble in fear. And we say we're a Christian and we don't even acknowledge Him sometimes. Am I wrong again? That's exactly the way it is. Sometimes we don't even acknowledge Him. The demons even do. The demons even do. Now, that again, that is faith that is dead because it does no good. It does no good. It does nothing. Not, it's not real faith. But James here where I stopped reading, he says, let me show you real faith. 21st verse. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which said, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed in him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone or faith only. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So he's going to use a few really good examples here to get his point across that that picture of genuine loving faith. And he uses no one other than Abraham. Which these, these Jewish Christians knew exactly who Abraham was. And I think that's why he used him here. I mean, they call, he was the father of Israel. He was the father. That's what they called him. The father of the Jews. And think about what God promised him and all that he had done. Called him a patriarch. Hebrews chapter 11. We were over there a little bit last week with Noah. It has a lot to say about Abraham. Flip over to 11, Hebrews 11 real quick. Just a chapter back. <coughs> Starting at the 8th verse. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out in a place where he should, have, should after receive an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, 
So many as the stars of the sky and multitude, and as the sand which is by the sea, sure innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We'll skip down. 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, This is Isaac, shall thy seed be called. There's a lot right there about Abraham. And I think James really used him here for a purpose. You know, his, his faith was awesome. And he was that, you know, kind of like Noah was last week. It, was act- it wasn't just faith alone. It was action. It was action. I mean, can you imagine for a second? You know, God has told you through the Son, you're going to be many nations or what? Like, I'm just thinking, like, I put me and Robbie in that situation. Okay, Bob, take Robbie out, tie him up, you're going to offer him up. He'd probably beat me up, first of all. Um, but, I mean, can you imagine that? Like, God asking you to do that? I can't imagine that. I really can't. And Abraham did. Abraham did. And then when he went to sleep, he said, Stop. That showed his faith. What's it say there, though? Abraham knew that God had promised that. So he just figured he'll raise him from the dead. What kind of faith is that? That puts us to shame, brothers and sisters. Puts us to shame. What kind of faith is that? Now, when he, he, he goes to Rahab, which everybody knows the story of Rahab, she was a Gentile prostitute. So you have the patriarch of the Jews and you have a Gentile prostitute. And they both had the faith and action together that worked. They both had. And that's telling me that no one is beneath the glory of God. No one is unreachable. I think we see people sometimes and it breaks my heart because I've done it. You see people out there Whatever you want to call them, gangsters or whatever, and you say the grace of God will never reach them. Brothers and sisters, I was one of them. I was one of them sinners that he came in and saved me when I was five years old. I was one of those that had done my own thing for so many years. Don't ever think that someone is unreachable because God can do anything he wants whenever he wants. Don't ever think someone's unreachable. Have you ever thought that? I've heard people say, well, I'm so bad, God would never save me. That is absolutely wrong. God can save anyone. In fact, His Son came and died on that cross for the whole world. The whole world. But we want to put, we want to put limitations on it. That's not how it was supposed to work. We're supposed to take Jesus out there and let him do the rest. But we want to get the glory. But the glory, brothers and sisters, should go to him. The glory should go to him, not us. We're afraid to say anything to anybody. I am anyway. I just try to live in front of him and show Jesus that way. Because as soon as you start banging him over the head, you've lost him. You've lost him. You've lost them. 
You've lost them. But no matter who you are, no matter your social status, no matter your ethnicity, Jesus came and died for the whole world. Amen, brothers. He died for the whole world. And we want to put limitations on it. I'm jumping all over the place, losing my space everywhere. That last verse there, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. That word dead there, talking about a corpse. If I'm laying, if my corpse is laying here dead, my body's no good to anybody. Like, first of all, that's not me anymore. Because I'm with my Savior if that's the case. But that body's not good anymore. And that's exactly what he's saying here. Without that faith that matches that action, that faith is no good. That faith is no good. He's not saying anywhere in here you can't have both without being saved. He's not saying that at all. He's saying it should provide that evidence of what happened on the inside. And again, if you're, if you're living, if you've been saved, and you don't, you don't know what I'm talking about, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. But that's again, that's between you and God. That kind of faith that's unable to save is what he's saying. You know, I could could go on and on and cry more and more. But you know, I think God's message is just came through this morning. I really do. And I'm going to ask if Brother Mike would get a verse of a song. If you're here this morning and you're struggling, you've been struggling with that. You don't have to struggle anymore. You can come and pray and repent and get right back with God. Or, if you've never been saved before and that Holy Spirit's calling on your heart and your heart's pounding like this, that's the Holy Spirit calling you to salvation. And you just need to accept it. You just need to accept it. You can come up here and pray. We'll pray with you. You can pray at your seat. <laughs> I think we put stipulations on how things are supposed to happen. And that, need, that needs to go too. We got this mentality that somebody's got to come up here and he'll pray and stop for 20 minutes before they get saved. That is not right either. That is not right either. God can save you anywhere. Brother Tony was saved up in the top of a barn. I love that story. I absolutely love it. Because it takes, we got no well, we got to say this, we got to say that, or we got to read this card. That's not how it works. When God's calling to your heart, all you got to do is accept it. That's all you got to do is accept it. I'm sorry, I shut up. Brother Mike. I'll stand. I always miss that part too.